Welcome to the Finance and Investments Student Association's FISA Fireside Chats with Matthew and Oliver. Welcome back, everyone, to the FISA Fireside Chat with Matthew and Oliver. We're super excited uh, to have Michelle Assad with us, a current uh, Senior Vice President of Corporate Strategy at City in London, England, with us today. Welcome to the podcast, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Let's get started with the question we ask uh, every guest that comes on the podcast. Maybe can you give us a bit of background about yourself? You have one of the most interesting career paths I've uh, I've ever seen. So maybe if you could talk about your your education and the different jobs that you've uh, you've had, and we'll we'll, uh, we'll go from there. It's definitely un unusual. I think un unusual for someone who ended up in banking, but also un unusual for a consultant, which I was for a long time. So I studied. Um, perhaps a little bit more than I should have. So I went, I, I have two two undergrads. Concordia actually was my second undergrad. So I completed um, a first Bachelor of Commerce in, in Egypt. Long story short, I was supposed to transfer to, to JMSB in my third year, but then ended up um, for admin and logistical reasons that I'll spare you, ended up uh, moving to Canada actually after I completed my first undergrad. So two undergrads in business focus on accountancy and then started working in consulting for Sutherland. So a little bit of a mix of strategy, transformation, um, and a little bit of restructuring consulting for, for a few years. I started with them here in Montreal or there in, in, in Montreal. And, uh, and then I moved to, to London um, to do my first master's degree. I carried on with Sutherland a little bit afterwards before leaving them doing my MBA. Uh, and we can expand on it a little bit more later. But then um, after the MBA, did a couple more years of consulting, but more on the PE advisory um, M&A side before moving on to banking in the middle of the pandemic where I joined City. Um, so a, a little bit of, of everything, more of a dynamic um, experience. If, if Great. Yeah, no, that's obviously super interesting, like Olivier said. And so maybe we run we run back to your time at Concordia and sort of sort of what happened post grad. I know you started off at Sutherland in Montreal and then you moved on to the UK. So maybe you you can speak to your different experiences at Sutherland. You know what your role entailed and how you made the transition uh, overseas. Absolutely. So I have to admit that when I graduated, I had no idea what I wanted to do. So even even though I spent six six and a half years studying for my two undergrad degrees, I didn't say, you know, where I wanted to end up. I had an idea from my my internships on what I didn't want to do, which ironically, one of them was banking. I, I, I had an internship at BN, BNP Paribas. I didn't necessarily enjoy the, the experience. I didn't think that banking was for me, but the caveat is it was retail banking and not institutional. Um, ironic, given where I ended up right now. But but then I, I, I found myself interested in a few fields. One of them was consulting. So there was a, a really interesting opportunity with Sutherland where they were doing a lot of work in the Middle East. Sort of back then it was a different world. Um, lots of digital transformation, especially with financial services, lots of restructuring work as well. Try and um, catch up with the digital world. Um, so, so it was a really interesting opportunity that I couldn't pass on. My role was a little bit of everything. So I was a general con consultant um, and the, the team at Sutherland is a lot smaller than your typical consulting firm, like your MBBs or your other top 
the big four accountancy or um, other firms in that in, in a small team, you get to do a little bit of everything. So I find myself doing the usual firing up models, spending like days and nights behind an Excel sheet. But at the same time, I find myself in meetings with CEOs and CEOs, which is something that I wouldn't have been able to, to do at, at a larger firm. Um, the the experience itself was was really really interesting. So I I was living out of a suitcase. They would um, call me, ask me to pack, and then I I wouldn't say you know wh where I was going, and then I would end up in the US. I would end up in 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 Dubai like less than than a day later. So I think definitely mm -hmm. out of exposure, also the generous type of work meant that I worked on different sectors. So I I found myself working on a restructuring project for one of the largest. Um, waste management firm. So I went to like full suit and tie, spent two days in a landfill in the Arabian desert when it was like 42 degrees. <laughs> e equally, I was... It must have smelled great. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I cleaned my suit like two or three times afterwards. <laughs> I could smell waste management every time that I've worn it. Um, but then at the same time, found myself working with the COO um, with one of the largest Middle Eastern banks just a couple of weeks later. So extremely diverse uh, and really had a fantastic time. The second um, part of your question around overseas, I think that transition overseas. So I'm 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 diverse by background. So I'm, I'm Egyptian Italian. I, I I grew up in Egypt and and then I'd I'd moved to Canada and worked uh, across the the US, Canada, a little bit Europe and Dubai. So I think the transition wasn't necessarily that hard for me. Uh, it it came in naturally, but I think from a, a business perspective, there are things that you need to quickly adapt to, to be able to be sensitive to working in an international environment. But I think luckily GMSB is, is, is a good training ground for this because you work and study with people from all over the world every single day. Yeah, that's definitely an experience. Uh, that's really an incredible experience. And I was curious to hear, because you started at Sutherland in Montreal, then uh, according to your LinkedIn, you went to a, to LSE, the London School of Economics and Political Science, while you were there. So I was wondering how that transition happened and maybe what led you to go through uh, to do your master's? Like most of my big life decision, I think it was... Luck or randomness, and um, as as much as I, I I like to plan things ahead, especially in in um, my my day to day job, I think most things like looking back, most most big things that happened to me were a little bit random. So I think I when I when I finished um, my my second undergrad, so the GMSB degree, I I wasn't necessarily sure what I wanted to do. So I've also started applying for some PhD programs at at the time. Completely different from management consulting, but I also decided that there were a few professors that I really enjoyed um, reading their books and the courses that they basically created. And I think these professors were from LSE. So I thought, why not? So I found a, a really interesting program, master's program, new at the time, around accounting organization and institution, which is basically a, an, a purely academic way of saying the just uh, um, accounting and a, a bit of sociology and decision science before it was popular, before it was cool, if it's if it's ever cool. Um, so I decided that, you know what, I want to apply. So I applied before I'd actually joined Sutherland and I'd completely forgotten about it. And then one day I was sitting at home, came back from, from travel 
and I get an email from LSE if been accepted. So obviously, it meant that I had a decision to make. I was really enjoying my time at consulting. Um, you know, I just came back from Dubai. It was like 35 degrees. I was on the beach. It was freezing. I think it was Feb at, at the time. It was freezing in Montreal. So I was like, no, I really want to leave consulting. And um, I, I thought maybe I'm, I'm able to combine both, that I basically take a leave of absence, do my master's and come back. Um, we I actually agreed on, on, on this arrangement with my boss. And then the, the head of consulting was like, you know what, we can't afford to, to lose you. We're not going to be able to offer you the leave of absence. So if you want to do the LSC master's, you're going to have to quit. Um, thought about it for a while. And then I did quit. Actually, I decided that LSE was too big of a dream for me to pass on. And then on my, I think, second or third day in London, I actually get a call from the head of Southern London office after I quit. Um, saying that he got a recommendation from the head of consulting to give me a call and to make me an offer to join part-time. So I ended up studying and working at the same time. Um, so again, pure luck. Great. I mean, like LSC, obviously one of the more reputable schools in the world. So maybe could, could you uh, like talk a little bit about your experience at LSC and what, what kind of impact did, you know, doing, doing your master's at in London at, at LSC have on your on your career? I'd say a, a significant impact. And um, I, I really enjoyed my time at JMSB. I think Concordia really helped me get to that next level. But LSE was just helping me get to a, another further level. I think the, the, the brand itself uh, is global. So I think that people at... My, my firm and client meetings used to introduce me at the LSE guy for a while, which is fantastic, but also the quality of education. It's a lot more academic. And, and I think you'd need to, to appreciate the differences between the European and North American systems where European educational systems, I feel, are a lot more academic. So you get a lot deeper into the substance. There's also cross-fertilization between different materials. So we're able to um, cover a couple of topics in in a way that at the time at least i think you guys need to remember that i studied gmsb i think more than 10 years ago so i'm i'm sure the word has changed since but but it was just a, a different level of depth which allowed me to go really deep in a couple of topics that really interest me but also the fact that you you would randomly and i know it sounds silly but it, you'd randomly meet like Nobel Prize winners on campus in 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 the LSE. So I've I've actually had a couple of pints with people that won Nobel in, in in economics, which is crazy. But it also speaking to them and speaking to people at this level help you realize that no one has figured it all out. Which I think to me, ironically, was the best lesson to learn. And that yes, they're experts. Yes, they're top of the field. But we're all humans at the end of the day. Yeah, and I think you you mentioned that it helped you through your career, and you became senior director pretty pretty soon in your career path. I, I as I can see on your your LinkedIn, I'm just curious what kind of led you to to leave Sutherland after and maybe pursue another uh, educational diploma at INSEAD with your your MBA, another exceptional school with a one of the top class reputation in the world. And what kind of led you to join INSEAD? Maybe LEK. Maybe could you give us a bit more color about all these transitions that happen in a pretty small amount of time there. Yeah, many, many 
life-changing transitions, but but I think I've I've always known that I wanted to do an MBA because an an MBA uh, to me is different, very different from a master's of science in 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 that you go to school when you're a lot more mature. When like when I've done my LSE master's, I think I was only 24 at at the time, uh, which meant that I've, I would have had a couple of years of experience, maybe less. But then an MBA, you, uh, I, I went when I was, I think, 20, 29. So I, I had like five, six years of work experience under my belt at different levels. So I think knowing what I knew back then about business, about about myself as well, about my 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 weaknesses, about my strength, it was a lot more, it was a very mature experience. So I think, again, there are differences between European MBAs and US MBAs, European MBAs tend to take more mature, relatively older students. And that's that's an experience that I've really enjoyed, just being able to network with like-minded people that ended up working all over the world in fields that I'm really interested in, being able to to really have the... Um, so MBAs, especially in CIA, they have a very strong focus on strategy. And I think this is a lot more important when you have five, six, 10 years of experience than it is when you're still a fresh cat. So um, an MBA made perfect sense to me, uh, maybe not from a financial perspective, because I, as, as you'd mentioned, I got promoted a few times very quickly at Sutherland. Um, so financially, actually, I don't think it's the, it was the right thing to do in the short term, but in the long term, definitely. Um, LEK, uh, LEK is a very interesting consulting firm. It's it's not huge, so not that many people would would have heard of it outside of the the areas where LEK focus. But LEK is very strong in a few sectors: industrials, financial services, healthcare, um, as well. And they do a lot of um, work with PE firms on very large deals from a commercial perspective. And I felt that. Having had the five years, five, six years of experience in consulting, worked on the digital side, worked on strategy, worked on restructuring and transformation, I felt that I needed to get closer to the to the money, basically, to be able to know uh, how how do you think like an investor, what do investors look for in a company to be able to then derive the the strategy and the vision for the firm. So I did that for a couple of years, which was extremely, extremely intense but really a fantastic learning opportunity. Great. And so now, now we know that you're at SID, you're a senior vice president, EMEA corporate strategy. Could you, could you talk a little bit about what your role entails and like, and so what, what you do on sort of a door, uh, day-to-day basis, what your, what your clients look like, who you deal with, uh, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. So all, all my client, 99 of my clients are internal. So I'm basically um, leading up a small team where we are like um, in-house consulting firm. So we we advise our our leaders on all aspects of of strategy. So my main stakeholders would be our EMEA. So that's Europe, Middle East, and Africa. So that's the region that I manage. Um, so EMEA CEO, EMEA CFO, our heads of businesses, um, where we we advise them on overall vision for the firm what our priorities are, where we should invest on what our competitors are doing, how maybe we need to um, prioritize new products, new regions to be able to to meet our objectives. And I think also there's a very strong um, special project element of, of what we do in, in, in 
that there's going to be strategic projects that our our leaders want to to implement or achieve, and there wouldn't necessarily be a natural person to lead. And that's where we we kind of take over or partner with different stakeholders to be able to understand what the problem statement is, and then um, be able to to rally the troops in in the most efficient way to really help answer the question and make a decision. Yeah, that's great. And I, I was wondering, you talked about a bit of your task that you're you're doing on a day-to-day basis and you came in as a VP right away. So I was wondering how that transition happened and maybe how did your your task evolve from being a VP to a senior VP? Was it just pretty smooth? Was it a big change? It it wasn't necessarily a big change. So I think, again, as, as I mentioned, randomness and, and luck. So um, a month or or so after I joined, um, my boss calls me and said that he's accepted a, a job elsewhere. And we were a two-person team at the time, and we we had a fantastic plan for me to uh, like develop my understanding of the behemoth that City is. City is huge, and you don't necessarily appreciate how big City is and how many very complex products. Um, city is in unless you actually start uh, getting your your hands dirty. So we had a fantastic plan for me. For the next year, I'll be doing X and Y. I'll be ramping up. I'll be creating my own network of people. And then five, six weeks in, things completely change. So I had to, to, to take over, step up in, in a way. And I feel that because I was more experienced, I was more senior, even so you've touched on the senior director position. That's something that really helped being able to be, be in charge and be being used to like owning deliverables and leading the way. I think that that absolutely helped me. Um, also some of the experiences, some of the network as well that I developed in, in the NBA, I was able to reach out to different people at City and outside of City, uh, helped me accelerate my, my learning, accelerate the, the network building. And then things I think came relatively naturally to me it was it was hard work to be able to 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 understand what you would have in a year in the two two months because i weren't necessarily afforded that much time but i think people were extremely supportive my manager was very very supportive and helped me um accelerate the, the learning curve but i think things came rather natural and i think smooth which which was great and Maybe one of the things that hasn't been natural and smooth is is the economy in the first three quarters of this year. So obviously in your position, I'd be really curious to hear from a strategy perspective, you know, how, how have things changed with so much market turmoil right now versus maybe the same period last year when when everything seemed to be, you know, moving in, in the right direction? Right direction is, is a big statement. It was moving in a different direction, I would say, but I think um, I was I was talking to to someone who recently joined City, and I was saying that this is the right time to be in banking because the last three years, I think we've seen cycles that people who'd worked in in banking and finance for thirty years haven't actually experienced, and it's been absolutely crazy. Where you had, if if you think through, um, twenty twenty. So I joined December twenty twenty. So in the UK, we were properly locked down. I wasn't able to meet anyone physically from work until I think. April um, or or early May, but but then from an economic perspective, you've had the COVID supply shock followed by a demand shock. You've had people locked down. You've had a slowdown in GDP, where uh, negative growth. The UK was 
impacted by the double whammy of Brexit and um, COVID, and we we still are. Then you have the recovery, then you have, because of the uh, overheating of the economy, supply chain disruptions all over the place, inflation starts, and then when things were actually looking a bit rosier, then the uh, Russia, Ukraine, geopolitical tension, and the war happened, which accelerated inflation and led from quantitative easing to um, quantitative tightening, and then rates are now going up in at, at a rate that we haven't actually seen in decades, if if ever. So you've seen cycles that are completely different in, in just two, three years. And from a strategy perspective, you need to adjust to all of this. So I mentioned the complexity of city as, as an organization. Um, this means that the business doesn't necessarily, uh, or the different products within the business don't necessarily work in the same direction or in the same way. So you have products that when you have lower economic activity, products that actually suffer from a revenue profitability perspective, but at the same time, in some of the trading businesses, you actually benefit from some of the, of, of the volatility. So it's not a linear um, ex experience. So you have to really build strategy on a product by product basis, and you have to quickly readjust. Sometimes on, on, a, on a daily basis, I think, um, the last few weeks in the UK were certainly this, where like you you take a, a like a time check every two two three hours, you see where the economy is heading. We've had the issue with long dated bonds and the um, um, GBP USD um, conversion rates. These are two things that can completely change the business and the economy. And if something like um, happens something massive like a as as we were mentioning like a pension fund potentially crashing this would have huge impacts on not just city but the overall economy so we need to to quickly adjust so it has been um really interesting a, a fantastic learning experience but obviously very very hectic to be able to adjust to the different businesses different countries and the um, absolute fluidity of the situation that's that's great. And I was wondering, I just had a question since you mentioned City is a big organization and I'm sure there's a lot of bureaucracy. How long does it take to really institute one of your your strategies that you're proposing? It it really depends. It really depends on on the scale. So for example, we spent a year trying to build a refresh strategy for one of our of our main businesses where you have to to really do a deep dive analysis that just takes months and months to be able to to understand um, the the data and the the status of every country that we're in and our EMEA footprint is huge um, and and then you you have to work on it from a product perspective you have to work on it from a country perspective you have to work on it uh, with different stakeholders so a big strategy refresh where you change the overall direction of a multi-billion dollar business is something that's going to take months. Whereas tactical adjustments to be able to um, benefit from certain market conditions, this can happen within minutes at at a time within hours. So it really depends on the size and the scale of, of what you're, you're trying to do. And it can be anything from smaller changes that don't necessarily require a lot of technological or um, process change, just a change in position, maybe a small tweak to be able to avoid a certain risk or benefit from a certain opportunity to 
like an overhaul of strategy like we have been doing at City from a global perspective, where that takes a few months to be able to, to build out. And obviously, you need to go through various levels of approvals. As you know, banks are highly regulated. So it, it also takes a long time to be able to work with the regulators to ensure that they are okay with, with your plan. Well, Michelle, it's it's really been a pleasure. And before we before we wrap it up, we like to ask: Are there any like books or or resources that that you've used throughout your career that you think have been that have helped you very much? Like any book recommendations? Would you would you see on your end? Not necessarily book recommendations. So I think there are many fantastic books, but really depends on 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 your interest. I think it's it's more. To, to me, the best source of, of, of learning, obviously talking to people who n know what they're doing, but I think just taking, if you're interested in a, in, in, a, in a certain sector, just go through the news, pick up the financial statements, see what companies are doing, see what CEOs and CFOs are doing, and then start tracking what this means and what, what the impact is. Uh, but I think that being said, I think there are many fantastic books and also podcasts and shows that are extremely helpful. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Michelle, for for coming on the podcast. We uh, we really appreciate your your presence, and obviously, you have an extremely interesting career path. And I'm sure the students are going to benefit a lot from uh, from listening to you. So, once again, thank you for uh, for coming with us today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having All me. All right. Awesome.